Welcome back to the Jojatorium. You know who it is. It's Adam. It's Matt. We're talking more shit than Conor McGregor right here in the Jojatorium. Just to let you all know, Brews and Bruises Festival is still going to happen on September 18th. This unique event features over 30 breweries and vendors from the craft beer industry as they take over the Green Tree Sportsplex. And oh yeah, there's live professional wrestling. If you've been waiting around to finally make your way back to the craft beer scene, then this is the perfect event for you. Don't forget, this event marks a triumphant return of the People's Champ, Bash Brew. Check out more details by following this event on Facebook. Ticket prices vary on this, but one thing doesn't. This event will sell out. Adam. Yes, it will. Adam, how are you? Doing good, man. How are you doing? Happy Fourth of July. Happy Fourth of July, sir. Are you feeling patriotic? I'm yes. I got all the fireworks ready to explode. Yes. I can tell you right now that I've been doing multiple drive-bys of calling like an eagle at people as I ride through the neighborhoods of Pittsburgh. Now that's freedom. Yes. I only bring the bells of freedom to let everyone else know they can suck it, especially this weekend. (laughs) So Adam, since you and I are doing this from our homes, uh, we had to bring beers up for two halves of the show. So I got to know what beer are you bringing to round one of this action-packed episode? So I think I'm re-featuring the first beer ever on the podcast. I am re-featuring Couch Brewery from uh i think our very first episode yes so i've i have their hanu hazy ipa it's a no boil ipa uh so it's super hazy um and it's it's got a good hop profile it's a single hop just idaho gem uh hops and it's tasty like 6.5 percent uh can't complain it's really good I, i mean it's got it's got all the haziness to it but it's still a very hoppy IPA, which is what I like. Nice, man. That's cool. Uh, nothing wrong with a good hazy uh, on a night like this, too. Find the rain hit and it cooled down a little bit. So that's a nice that's a nice beer to have. It is. So I brought the Suburban Housewife from Rivertown Brewing. The label is completely sick. Uh, I like it. I yeah. like it a lot. For those who are listening, it, it looks like a pinup who has uh, a full sleeve of tattoos that are are hops hop nuggets so this this bad little boy is a kolsch and it is brewed with blackberries and cucumbers it comes in at a smooth 5.5 percent uh rivertown usually comes through with some pretty tasty brews and this one's no different uh this one has really nice forward feature on the fruit and it's nice and clean just like i like my kolsches um so Ab and I are going to be sipping on these beers throughout the episode, and we will check in each other to see how we like them. And don't forget, we always have more beers for round two. So, Adam, I wanted to dig back into our toolkit here and bring back something we haven't done for a while. I challenge you to a bets of doom. Let's do it, brother. So, Bets of Doom usually comes around whenever there's something pretty significant happening. And what is more significant than UFC 264, which is set to hit the octagon and your television sets on July 10th? This is coming from the T-Mobile Arena, and it features a main event, round three of Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor. So, Dude, this is going to be a banger. So... 
Let's go ahead and we'll start with uh, the first matches here. Work up to the main event. There are two. There's a co-main event and a main event, but let's work away from the bottom up. So, the first scheduled bout here uh, sees a bantamweight fight between Shane O'Malley and Chris Montejo. Am I saying that right? Uh, that's how I would pronounce it. That's how I would say it too. Otherwise, you're saying Montejo. Uh, so or Mountainho. <laughs> Mountainho. So Chris Mountainho. <laughs> so uh, Shane O'Malley is coming in at 13, one and no. And Chris Mountainho is coming in at 9-4-0. So we all know that Shane O'Malley is a striker. Sugar Shane O'Malley, um, his one knockout, he calls it an abjuration of his career. He's, he's not going to have it happen again. He feels that he is strong on his feet, heavy with his hands. Uh, and I couldn't agree with that more. So I am just going to go ahead and go first and let you know, Adam, that I am taking Sugar Shane O'Malley uh, – Sugar Sean O'Malley, I apologize. In this first bout, I feel his hands are too heavy, and good old Chris Mountahoe isn't going to be able to mount an offense or defense to take down O'Malley. Yeah, Sugar Shane was the hurricane, brother. Yeah, Sugar my, Shane Helms. Sugar Shane Helms, <laughs> who passed it down to Molly, who now passed it down to uh, Chris Cross Applesauce. So, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. Uh, Sugar Sean O'Malley, he, he fought last on March 27th, looked really impressive in that fight. Um, he's continuing to rise fight after fight, except for that one stumble you mentioned where he got caught in the third round. Um, and that was at UFC 252. So that was a, yeah. a few months back. Uh, but yeah, uh, Chris uh, Montejo is uh, coming in as a late replacement. He just, he just got the call Tuesday, and this is his first UFC fight. So, uh, wow. but he, he is coming off a two fight win streak in his prior, uh, organization, but this is his first official UFC fight and he's going in against a killer. So I'm also going to have to pick uh sugar shot and on this one by knockout. I'm going to say probably early. I know we're not okay. picking rounds and everything, but yeah. I just think it's going to be an early knockout for him. We'll see how close we are in our picks and we might have to go back to one. Maybe the, maybe the main event we'll, might have to pick if we're so close to each other. Yeah, we'll see. So coming up next is a win, women's bantamweight bout between Irene Aldana and Yana Kunitskaya. And I'm giving that name justice only because we had Chris Kunitz playing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. and I'm kind of equating his name to hers. So <laughs> uh, Ms. Aldana is coming in at 12-6-0, while Ms. Kunitskaya is coming in at 14-5-0 in one no contest. Adam, who you take? So uh, Irene Aldania is uh, coming off a loss to Holy Home. Uh, she often goes the distance, win or lose. It's usually the third round or a decision. Um, and Yana Kunitskaya is uh, very similar. The th- why I'm picking Yana though is because when her fights go the distance, she's she usually is on the winning side of the decision. Um, these women are pretty evenly matched overall. I think. Kunitskaya is just a little bit better, has a little bit more to show. Um, so I'm going to pick her. I'm taking Yana. So I like where you're going with this, except I couldn't disagree with you more. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Aldana, I, I, and I agree with you. She does often go the distance. She knows how to make a fight stretch. She's a very smart fighter. Um, her striking isn't as strong as Yana, but I believe – that Irene is going to be able to find a way to figure out Miss Kuniskaya's 
uh, defense. I, be- I believe that Yana has a very strong striking defense, but if that's not where Irene is going to stay, she's going to try to figure out some groundwork, and I'm going to believe in the wrestler. Also, that one no contest makes me not like her. So <laughs> I'm going to go Irene in this one, but and if we have to go for a tiebreaker, I want to call submission on this one. Okay. Sounds good, Yana. <laughs> Yana, Yana. Yana, I object to Yana. So we get into the Haas battle here. This is going to be a good one. So yes. uh, the duel at heavyweight sees a uh, tie to Avasa coming in at 12, 3, and 0, going against a formidable Greg Hardy coming in at 7, 3, 0, 1, no contest. So you see two literal meat castles. These guys throw hands. Um, I'd only say the biggest advantage I see here between these two fighters is that Greg Hardy is significantly faster than Ty. And I think that's where Greg Hardy is going to have the edge. I think Greg Hardy has a good gas tank, and I think that he can outlast and outstrike because he's just going to be that much quicker. Um, I think there's more. I, I do believe that Ty has more experience. Of course, the record shows that. And he does have some highlight knockouts. But I think that Greg Hardy is going to be too fast and too much to handle in this fight. Uh, I know that one no contest kind of had me knocking Yana out the last time, but Greg Hardy, there's something about him, man. I, I got to roll the dice on him. The fact that he's a literal walking muscle. <laughs> yes, he is one. Well, he's one walking chest muscle, and he's strong as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, I don't think we're going to need that tiebreaker because uh, I'm oh. taking. Uh, to Avasa. He's a giant Australian man that drinks uh, shoeies. You know what shoeies are, Matt? Uh, is that where you try to touch me <laughs> up under my pant leg past my shoe? <laughs> no. It's when you drink chug a beer out of a shoe or I, out of a boot. I instantly don't like him even more. I hope Greg Hardy knocks his <laughs> fucking teeth out. <laughs> so uh, he drinks shoeies, which I appreciate. He retired Stefan Struve. Um, and he's Every single one of his wins, except for one, have come by KO. So uh, I'm taking him. I think Greg Hardy is great. He's got power. He's got a lot of power, and he does have speed. But he's, uh, I think he's inexperienced for this level of fighter. I think they're pushing him really hard, really high, really fast because he's a little bit older. I mean, I think these guys are about the same age, but they're trying to get him up into that um championship realm i think a little too quick and i think he's gonna get caught so i'm taking ty to ivasa and it's in that i will say this i totally forgot that he put struve on the shelf because if i would remember that i would have changed my mind a little bit but i stay with what i choose with my heart and mr hardy is gonna uh bring it back for me i need i need a best of doom win in a ufc match i don't win these very often no, so you don't. I don't. That's why I need <laughs> to win this. Uh, so the co-main event sees a Mr. Gilbert Burns coming at 19, four and zero, taking on Steven Wonderboy Thompson coming in at 16, four and one. Adam, who are you taking? I am taking Mr. Gilbert Burns. Um, he's coming off a loss to the champ, Usman. Uh but he's just a physical beast on the feet and on the ground. He's just going to hit you with his fists and his elbows no matter where you're at in the match. Um, Steven Thompson does have a unique way of striking, and I think as long as Gilbert Burns can get within kicking range uh, and stay there, he's, he's going to dominate Steven Thompson. So I'm taking Gilbert Burns. 
So we definitely agree on this one. I think Gilbert Burns caught a lot of heat for losing to one of the most formidable champions in UFC history. So I kind of feel that Steven Thompson is going to be sleeping on him a little bit. Gilbert Burns is one of the hardest hitting welterweights in that division. Uh, Him losing that championship match, I believe, only made him hungrier. And I don't think that Thompson is going to have an answer for just the barrage that Burns is going to bring to this match. Burns is going to find a way to get inside that reach, whether it be by fist or by foot, and he's going to get on the inside and dirty box the shit out of Steven. And I I can only see this ending with a TKO with Burns on a full mount, just laying hammers on him. So I agree with you, sir. I'm going Burns. Yeah, and uh, just another thing to add against Thompson, um, most I know this is a co-main event fight, but most times when he main events a card, he doesn't win. The pressure gets to him. Yeah, and he and he can't he can't finish. Was there also wasn't there also some talks about his gas tank not being as full as it used to be? Yeah, I mean, I think that's just wear and tear. You know, yeah. he's been in the fight game for. I mean, they both have they both yeah. have a ton of fights, but um, yeah, there there has been talk of that. Yeah, I think Stephen Thompson and he's in, they're both in incredible shape, so it's nothing that to denigrate them whatsoever. But when you're talking about high level fighting you're talking about guys who have had some significantly hard miles on their bodies and steven thompson did not take an easy road to come back to fight in a co-main event here so he's taken out some of the best but some of the best have taken some pieces of him uh that's another strike against thompson for me so it just solidified my pick for burns now we come to the main event the lightweight bout we've all been kind of waiting for i don't really know um we're going to see Dustin Poirier coming in at 27-6-0 at one no contest going against the notorious Conor McGregor coming in at 22-5-0. Uh, Conor McGregor is coming in with more losses in his uh, immediate card than uh, Dustin Poirier. So I believe you picked first last time, correct? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I'm glad you're picking first this time. Yeah. Uh, I'm going Dustin. There's no doubt in my brain. It's Dustin. Uh, Dustin has Conor McGregor figured out. Uh, it doesn't matter if McGregor finally figures out how to change his stance up. I respect Conor McGregor. I think he has a very quick set of hands. They are very heavy, but I don't think he has an answer to the all-around game that Dustin Poirier brings to the octagon. Dustin Poirier can strike, he can wrestle, and he can outthink. He has great mat IQ, and he has a phenomenal corner. I mean, his whole camp is full of all-stars. So you put all that together. Uh, I believe Con- I will say this though. Poirier wins. This fight's a hell of a lot closer than the last match was. I hope so. I mean, uh, Connor's just had so much time outside of the octagon. You wonder if ring rust is a thing. He came back against Cowboy Cerrone. Didn't look like it was a thing, but uh, Poirier, I think exposed him uh, seriously in that second fight. Um, and I'm as much as I'd love for this to be exciting, I'm gonna agree with you. And I'm taking uh Dustin the Diamond Poirier, um, in this third fight. I think he's just on the rise, his momentum is just too high going into this. Where I, I think the pressure might get to Connor for once. I couldn't agree with that more. I think that there's a lot on Connor McGregor to perform in this fight, and I think that's something that he's not quite. Oddly enough, for the first time in a long time, he's not ready for. Um, there's, I think he knows that this is a legacy-establishing fight. 
you know, he's done a lot here for the UFC and he's done a lot for himself and his family. But if he can't take this trilogy, I don't know what he does next. I mean, Diaz is completely washed up now. He's only going to take fights that make money. And if McGregor loses this fight, McGregor's not the money fight anymore. Poirier is the money fight now. And Poirier's yeah. not going to waste his time on Diaz. I mean, I'm not going to criticize how the UFC books their matches too much, but I think McGregor should have taken a step back down the card. I think Poirier should have taken a step up towards the belt. Let Dustin maybe get that belt, do the third fight for the championship after McGregor gets a win or two. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think this is just, I, I'm not even excited about it because I just, I hope Connor surprises me and looks great. I just yeah. don't, I just don't think he will. I have, it hurts me to say that, but he just looked yeah. so terrible in that last fight. He really did, man. He got exposed. And that's something that Connor McGregor didn't really show in a lot of his fights where he would, if he was getting caught with something, he would make adjustments. And you started to see that fall through when he fought uh, Khabib. He was getting ransacked by Khabib, and he didn't make in-round adjustments and in-between-round adjustments. And then he fought Cowboy, which, bless Cowboy. I mean, that dude's a he is a soldier. He's a scary fucking man. But he's 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 had like a thousand fights conor mcgregor could have went in there with two broken hands and could have won that fight so there was no need to make adjustments so it's you know you don't learn anything from that fight and then you go in to fight dustin the first the second time out of three and you get schooled because dustin has a as a smart corner they they're like his stance is so wide take the leg legs getting tattooed connor's like nah fuck it i'm gonna keep this stance he was stubborn and didn't make the adjustments. And I just don't know if he can do it now. Well, and with whatever that stance was, like he, he didn't look as fluid. He didn't look as quick on his feet. Like yeah. he just, his movement wasn't the same. It was, it was very strange. It was odd. It was definitely odd to see that because even when McGregor would lose fights, he still had fluidity. He had speed. He had hands. You would see that he would lose to opponents that quite literally had to outclass him. He quite literally got beat the last time by Dustin by being outstriked, which is not something you're used to seeing from Connor. You're used to seeing him kind of push his opponent to the limit, and if that opponent can reach that one rung of the ladder higher, they take him out. Right. Um or he gets out wrestled, which because Connor doesn't know how doesn't have jujitsu at all. <laughs> he has no, no jujitsu. So, uh, man, UFC two sixty four is pretty stacked. I am excited to actually, you know, I'm going to call it right now. I think the match of the night you're going to see here is going to be Burns and Thompson. I think it's going to be your match of the night. Uh, you're going to have two guys that know how to throw down. Thompson Thompson's going to put up a fight until about the second or third round. They're going to put on something spectacular, and Thompson's going to get caught, I think, in the third round. He's not going to be able to go the distance with Burns. But that's going to be – there's either going to be a knockout of the night there or that's going to be the fight of the night, I really believe. See, I'm most looking forward to, and I hope it's the fight of the night, is Ty Tuvasa and uh, Greg Hardy. That would be cool, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a big boy battle, and I, I can't wait to see it. Uh, I, it will be really cool because I think – Tuvasa has that, that striking and Cardi has the speed. And I just want to see out of that who wins. And, and of course, because I picked him, I hope it's Hardy. But again, as, as a fan <laughs> of the sport, I just want this to be a, a, a phenomenal fight. And I think I think everyone on this card has the ability to put on a good fight here. 
Um, I don't see a sleeper fight in this. Uh, you have world-class athletes on, on this card. And uh, I look forward to July 10th. And if you think that your picks are better than ours, please let us know how much you think we suck by emailing us to kingwtb at gmail.com. I would gladly like to hear all of your fight analysis because we take our time with this. So we're kind of good at it. Okay. Mm. <laughs> One of us is pretty good. One at of it. us is pretty good at it. <laughs> one yeah. of us hasn't lost at this yet. Yeah, yeah, I will say that one half bus can really dominate this shit. So we have like super foresight advantage. So like a little peek behind the curtain, we'll be recording our next podcast right around when this pay per view is going to happen. So maybe on the next podcast, we'll discuss punishment. Yeah, and uh, then and then the one after that, execute it. Yeah, I'm uh. I'm kind of nervous about it because I'm start like there's been a couple of times now we've been out doing other things. I'm showing my weakness towards hot stuff. And I oh, feel yeah. like if I start losing more to you that I'm not going to drink like still reserve beers, I'm going to be drinking like straight up hot sauce. So I'm getting more nervous every time I put my nuts on the table because I feel you're going to slap them with a baseball bat. Mm. Oh, that look on your face gets me scared. We'll see. I, I don't like to hurt you too bad. Depends how much how much trash you talk going into this, I guess. You that's the thing though. I I'm turning heel. I'm gonna talk a lot of shit. I'm turning heel. All right. And I'm well, gonna you're talk gonna, you're gonna drink some heinous. I know, I know. And that's but it makes it better because I deserve it on two fronts. So <laughs> so thank you so much. Listen to our breakdown of UFC 264. We hope that you enjoyed it. And also I hope that you enjoy these ads we're about to put in because if you can go and support them, then you support us. And when you support us, we can bring you some really cool stuff. So if you hear something you like, go check them out and tell them the boys sent you. We'll be right back with more beers, more news, and more banter. See you in a second. Welcome back. Hopefully you heard something that you like because again, when you support our sponsors, you support us. And when you support us, we bring you some cool stuff. So we're here for... Round two, the second half, whatever you like to call it. So we're reloaded on beers. I want to know, Adam, what are you drinking through the second half of this show? So I got a great triple New England IPA. There's a theme with me tonight. It's New England IPAs. Hell yeah, Um, brother. (laughs) It's from Helltown in Export PA. It's an interdimensional uh, pterodactyl. That's a cool fucking name. (laughs) Yeah, and it is coming in at a high percentage. I lost it. 10%. On the nose. So let me take a sip. While Adam's sipping, I want everyone to know that someone doesn't work on Fridays and someone else does. Yeah. (laughs) I drink 10 percenters. This is not my, this is definitely not my second beer of the night. No. Um, It's good. It's, um, oh, okay. There's a little bit of hoppiness on the back end. Very sweet up front, but for a 10% hazy, like you're going to have that. It's very like creamy, pillowy on the front end. Um, great color, great flavor, and then a nice hoppy like backbite to it. It doesn't nice. end like fruity and tropical like some New Englands do. It's more bitey, more more bitter. I like it. Wonderful, man. That's a, that sounds like a good uh, good triple because most triples are like just so such a punch in the mouth. You kind of lose some of the flavor sometimes. So it's good to hear that one you have has a nice uh, like separation of flavors. So you can really pick out each one and. Really, uh, really savor what you got going on there. Plus, uh, that name is just sick as fuck. If no one names a metal band that at this point, 
you're losing out. Uh, so I went in the complete opposite direction from you. Uh, I am bringing you something straight out of Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania, the North Country Brewing Company. Uh, I got one of their tropical pale ales. So this little bad boy is uh, coming in at 4.8%. So it's a nice little sipper. Uh, I was checking it out and it is an unfiltered pale ale. And it's brewed with uh, late editions of Centennial, Citra, and Simcoe hops. And it's conditioned on tangerine, mango, and pink guava puree. Um, there is literally no hoppy bite to this whatsoever. Um, if anything, minimal up front. And then it's very fruit heavy. Um, this kind of borders on the kind of beers I try to stay away from. Uh, but this one is balanced. I mean, it's not like the fruit's overpowering. It's pretty smooth. And coming in at 4.8%, I can have a couple of these. Uh, the color's directly on point, exactly what you want to see. It's a peg. Um, it looks like juice is what it is. Um, but, you know, coming in at 4.8, like I said, and being nice and smooth and juicy, this is something I could have throughout the day. And it's a great beer to have here in the second half of our show because the first half was full of the octagon and the second half is full of the squared circle so i threw it out to the twitterverse and i asked you guys uh uh aw dynamite featured a hell of a main event between mjf maxwell jacob freeman versus sammy the spanish god guevara and i asked you guys who's your favorite who are you taking in this match who would you like to see win and an overwhelming amount of people, six, seven percent of you took Sammy Guevara over a 33% uh, MJF. And I got to say that I couldn't disagree with our fans more. <laughs> I couldn't disagree with them more. <laughs> That's turning heel, y'all. Yes. Um, hashtag turning heel. So if you look at these two guys, you, you have two young talents doing very well for themselves and they're starting to branch off into very fruitful independent careers on mainstream television aw is becoming the arguably the second best and most watched product on cable television right now of course they're always going to be behind wwe just because of the sheer fan base i think that mjf right now could be in contention for a title I think Sammy needs more time. MJF is one of the best heels in professional wrestling right now because he doesn't give a fuck. He yells at kids with cancer. <laughs> he will talk shit to on you for having dead parents. He doesn't care. So that makes him the quintessential heel. And he is leading a faction of complete assholes called the pinnacle. And they are killing it right now. Yeah, I can definitely see MJF uh, challenging for the world title once it gets on to a face. I mean, you definitely can't have a he- I mean, you could do a heel heel, but you got to put him against like a super liked baby face and it'll be amazing. But that main event was awesome. Yes. Um, I, I like both guys. Um, I was also rooting for MJF and it was pretty transparent since they're setting up a program between him and Jericho. Like, yeah, they just needed to give it an extra week. Um, but a great match nonetheless, a great main event. Um, one of the better ones they've had since their last pay-per-view. So yes, can't complain. I think AEW is suffering from not on Wednesday night itis. Right. Uh, their listenership uh, had dropped and not because the product was bad, but it's just, it's not on Wednesdays. It's not fitting into my schedule. Um, 
And what really impressed me is Sammy Guevara is known as a high flyer, but yeah. MJF also had to be a high flyer to take some of those bumps, and he did very well. Yes, in in that role. And I love the way the match. Uh, spoiler alert: If you haven't watched the match, sorry, but uh, much much like traditional, straightforward creative writing, Sammy lost due to outside interference. Um, which gives MJF the heel win, which gives him the heat, which gives him the role. And if you know anything about Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho is going to lose to MJF at that pay-per-view, and it's going to push MJF to the moon. You're going to see a huge, huge push for MJF, I believe. We're on the flip side. I think Sammy G's – Sammy G. Sammy Guevara, like I know him on a first-name basis. What's up, Sammy G? How you doing, brother? <laughs> Since he lost by interference by Sean Spears, he's clearly going to like spin off into a program with him. And I think Sammy's going to win that. Yes. So you're, you're going to get a, you know, for each faction, it's going to be some wins on each side, but I, I totally agree with what you're thinking. Jericho is going to lose that match. Yeah. And I think too, uh, like you said, I think the spinoff match between Sammy and um sean spears. sean spears is gonna be incredible sean spears is very underrated i think he's a great wrestler uh so that'll be a great series of matches they have i'm sure so uh speaking of dynamite unfortunately uh rebel Re- rebel rebel not reba was hurt during the tag match she had uh, alongside Britt baker dmd on dynamite this past wednesday um, it's my understanding from my insiders. Thank you to all two of you who send me stuff on Twitter. Shout out to you uh, that uh, Rebel actually uh, she dislocated her kneecap and she was able to have it put back into place. Very painful, but she's up and walking with little to no assistance. She shouldn't have did that fake injury angle with the crutch because now <laughs> she's going to legit have one. Well, the good thing is she has all those extra crutches lying around. They're all bedazzled and shit. So she can just pick one of them up and she'll be good to go. Oh, it was, it was, I don't want to say it's funny when wrestlers get hurt, but she got hurt like diving to break up a pin. (laughs) And then like, you could tell, like said something to Nyla Rose and Nyla like drug her out of the way a little bit. And then you just saw Rebel Not Reba like slug crawl on the bottom And you're like, oh, this is not good for her. Like, clearly it was a leg injury. Um, so ho- hopefully a quick recovery because I-, I do like her. But maybe yeah. she should just be in a managerial role. Yeah, I will say, too, I like to I like to actually really point out, too, like something you said, uh, Nala Rose saw that it was an injury. And instead of doing what most wrestlers would do in the bigger companies, I'm going to talk about, like, I'm like Eddie Kingston. Some other companies would just make the match keep going. But Nyla actually helped Rebel out of the ring for the most part. And she was able to get to safety and get the treatment she needed. So, yes, Rebel, we hope that you feel better. Um, just just be a manager, please, for Christ's sake. We don't want to see you get hurt so bad that you can't be out there because you are quite funny to watch alongside a Brit. You are the comedy to her heel, so we need you out there. Speaking of comedy, uh, do you know that King Corbin decided that he wants to go all happy on us? Yeah, um, apparently he's making a face turn coming up. Yeah, he's going face. So um, there's been a couple segments here where Corbin, Baron Corbin's been looking kind of down and people have been saying, why aren't you happy? So instead of, you know, kind of going to a darker place and going back to what he was when he first started out, which was pretty like he's a pretty metal character, which was was awesome. He's now uh, 
uh, WWE has filed for the trademark for Happy Corbin. Um, if you want to know what this looks like, just go ahead back to the 90s when Diamond Dallas Page was made to be a homeless man. And he had to do the same thing um, because what do we know about WWE? They recycle shit. So we're looking at Baron Corbin making some kind of turn with some kind of shitty name that nobody wanted. He was also in the Hurt business for a while, which kind of was dumb. He was like their henchman. Yes. <laughs> which is strange. Uh, speaking of dumb, Jim Ross called Dynamite wwe dynamite and people are losing their fucking minds yeah on the sign off to say hey we're going back on the road (laughs) nothing catches your attention like a live wwe event that's exactly what he said nothing's better than a live wwe dynamite and then did you see the bucks uh poked poked him today (laughs) saying uh so they're going against Eddie Kingston and Penta next week for the tag titles. He's like, yes, let's see if you can get it done next week live on WWE. What <laughs> <laughs> a lot of tweet they sent out today. So and that's why I love the Bucks so much. Uh, Jim Ross did go on Twitter to apologize and to also tell everyone that he is not quitting despite all the people who are clamoring for it. That's it, too bad. Yeah. If you guys haven't realized, Jim Ross is eternal he's not gonna leave people love him he's not gonna go anywhere people back up the brinks trucks for him to do these kind of things so him calling it wwe dynamite after one of the most heartfelt segments i've ever seen next to mr Brody lee's tribute show and fucking up (laughs) the name for the show he's not going anywhere so stop saying that he is it's not he's still like yeah he still thinks he's good at this (laughs) yeah like i'm doing okay it's like the, the emoji with the cowboy hat on it every time. <laughs> so uh, speaking of people being salty, uh, Big E has finally been vocal about his slowed momentum since WrestleMania. And I couldn't agree with that more. You're talking about a guy who is in line for some significant title shots and then just became Apollo Cruz's whipping boy, um, which shouldn't happen. But it happened for a while now. He finally got his big win, and it's, it hurts me to say that he got a big win over Apollo Cruz. Um, but Big E should be in the title chase, but he's not. Um, I just don't know what else to say about that. I mean, he's just well, on the outskirts. Well, I think the last. So the big problem is these guys have been feuding since I think December. Mm. I mean, they've been going back and forth and back and forth. Um, but at least I think in his last one he won and qualified for the men's money in the bank match. So maybe that will propel him to the title picture. I hope, um, hopefully he wins. I, I think there's a couple guys in there. I'd like to see win. Uh, so hopefully it doesn't, they just don't give it to Randall Keith Orton again. <laughs> Can I tell you what I want to see happen? If I could see this happen, I would love it so much. So Kofi Kingston is in line for a title shot. And who knows? I don't know if he can win that title or not, but wouldn't it be incredible if Kofi wins, Big E comes out with the Money in the Bank briefcase, goes full fucking heel turn, takes out Kofi, becomes the new champion, ends Kofi Mania inside five minutes, faster than Vince McMahon could do, if you can even believe that, and then goes full full heel and just take control of it because his mic skills are awesome i'd love to see what he can do talking shit to people 
So it's not going to happen. I wish that it would, but it's not going to. It'd be, nah. it'd be really awesome. Nah. Brock Lesnar's coming back. Sorry. Yeah. 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 Brock. He's coming back from his part time shit and he's going to take a title. He's going to hold on to it for six months and lose it in some kind of crazy fashion. Um, yeah. Sorry, Biggie. You still have an up. Although I guess, I guess Biggie technically is on the other brand, but then he's got to beat Roman. I don't I don't see that happening. I don't know if that's happening. Either. Yeah. That's John for the Cena's gotta, John Cena's got to come back. <laughs> I was going to say, John Cena has to come back, and The Rock has to have one of his like bi yearly matches. Um, so if you haven't heard about the uh, Doc Gallows promotion, the Laredo Pro Wrestling Guild, you should hear about it now because an indie wrestler by the name of Laser jumped off of a ladder for a, a big, big spot. And when he landed terribly, he dislocated his hip and then broke his femur upon impact. But he finished the match. Wow. Yes. Good for him. That old Sid Vicious injury. Oh, yeah. Remember WCW? Dude, that still makes me sick to this day. He jumped off the second rope. (laughs) Second rope did him in. But the the people in the, the doctors in the back were saying there's no way one that he should have finished that match and there's no way that he should have finished that match for his own personal health um apparently he's he went to the hospital got things set he's doing fine but this is where we see uh like a smaller promotion has somebody doing something completely death-defying and gets hurt in a critical manner do you, Adam, do you think that these super, super high ladder spots still need to happen? Uh, when the crowd and the money justify it. If it's at WrestleMania, yes. If it's at the Laredo <laughs> Pro Wrestling Guild and you're named, you're named after an American gladiator, no. <laughs> you know, it Laser. sucks on that too. Laser wasn't even the best American gladiator. <laughs> No, but that's exactly how he spelled it. I remember he was my he was my favorite, even though he wasn't the best. Laser. Oh God. Uh best wishes to you, Laser. I hope that your leg heals and you can get back to doing what you love. And god damn it, your balls are huge, man. That you were able to finish that whole match after taking a if you haven't seen it on YouTube, look up on YouTube. It is it's horrific. It looks like a horror movie come to life. I would also like to give well wishes out to Laser the American Gladiator. Wherever you're at, I hope you're doing well. <laughs> We hope that you're shooting Nerf balls at kids unexpectedly. <laughs> he also had large balls. You could tell just because of the shorts they had to wear. Why would they all wear singlets that were a size and a half too small? <laughs> oh, speaking of things that are inappropriate, the WWE released their best tag teams of all time, and they listed the New Day at the top of the mountain. Now, this is where the boys start to get into contention because if you're going to start naming the best tag teams of all time, one, how dare you put the New Day at the top of the mountain? And two, why didn't you call us? Because you know we're incredible at Mount Rushmore's. So guess what, Adam? I challenge you to a Mount Rushmore of the best tag teams in history, and we'll actually get a list that people can respect. So much like every Mount Rushmore we ever do, it's going to go back and forth and we're going to figure out which tag teams deserve to be, desi- to be 
to, to have the moniker of being the best tag team ever. Uh, nothing's off limits. It could be established tag teams, temporary tag teams, but no fantasy tag teams. And we'll go back and forth and we'll vote on the top four. And then we will make sure that everyone knows about it. And then uh, I'll put it out on Twitter too. And you guys can vote and see if you agree with us. And again, at the end of this, if you don't agree with us, let us know why we suck to KNWTV at gmail.com. So Adam, because I love, I know you love the new day. I'm gonna let you go first. Because I know this breaks your heart that you have to start going against them. So, no, I might just pick them first, right? <laughs> so, Adam, kick us off, man. Who's your first pick for the one of the best tag teams of all time? Number one pick that came into my mind. Of course, I went back to my childhood. I was like, who did I really like? And it was easy. My number one choice is easy. After number one, it gets a little more difficult. But it, my number one pick by far is the Hart Foundation. Brett the Hitman Hart and Jim the Anvil Knight Hart. Let me just tell you that you picking that one makes my heart swell with pride. That is a fantastic pick. Yep. And also, too, the Hart Foundation was switched around so many times and so many iterations, but you picked the best one. The original that's the original to the best of my and that's the original from WWF back in the day. Yes. I, there might have been something different in Canadian Stampede Wrestling that I don't know about, but um that's the one I remember. I love it, man. Uh Brett the Hitman Hart, one of the best heel turns I've ever seen in my life. I mean, that man could he could do no wrong in my house, in my heart, in my mind. But you know who did things a little bit better than the Hart Foundation? No one. The New Age Outlaws. That's my number one pick on my side because the Road Dog Jesse James and Mr. Ass Billy Gunn solidified tag team wrestling in the Attitude Era. They came out with no respect for anybody and they put people in the hospital. Great chemistry between the two of them and they resurrected their careers because at some point they were both stuck in different gimmicks that made no sense. So when they came together to be the New Age Outlaws, they really took control of their own creative and was able to tell the back room to shut the fuck up and let them do what they wanted to do. They literally got to be who they were in real life, and that was degenerate assholes. Um, they cussed, uh, cussed everybody out. They had women pulling up their shirts in the crowd, and they won titles, and they won them and held them. So for me, my number one pick, because I'm down with Degeneration X, is the New Age Outlaws. You, I, I, I do agree with you saying they were both lost before they got into that tag team. I don't yes. know if they were great. I, I just again, I, your round one picks always just seem to be wasted. <laughs> what do you <laughs> mean? Because I think they could have easily been around three and still stuck around. Yeah. Like they were all they're written on my list, but I have like twenty teams written on my list. Yes, just so I have backups, but um, you picked with your heart. I picked with mine, and then I'm, from there, I get a little more statistically sound so okay then mr smarty pants whatever uh-huh. good insult what's your second pick yeah real real strong insult. yeah well i try my um, best my second pick is the best tag team from the attitude era and forward the hardy boys Jeez. matt and jeff hardy i can't believe you took my fucking pick <laughs> that's why you should have picked them first it's killing me man i I I gave 
them the same idea that you're giving the new age outlaws i was like there's no way he's gonna pick them in this yeah. first two <laughs> i wa- i wasn't but when you started with attitude Era, i was like better take them now because i yeah. have like some decent ones that can take my last two rounds yeah um so yeah hardy boys i mean along with some other tag teams that might make this list uh started the tlc matches yes um just really in- innovative stuff those TLC matches were stuff I loved to watch when I was a kid. Still love to watch them now when they're done well. Um, but they're not done so well now. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, just classic matches. Uh, Matt Hardy recently announced that he would like to retire with his brother. Which would be awesome. Um, as the Hardy Boys. So hopefully 2023 or whenever Jeff gets out of his contract, that can happen. But um Got it. Got yeah, and just the longevity of them—they—they they yeah. were around for so long. I remember watching them on Sunday Night Heat when they were getting squashed when they first came on, and then all the way till like I'm in my 30s, and they popped out for WrestleMania, and and the crowd went crazy for them when they came out for that that tag uh, tag gauntlet. Dude, that was incredible. Awesome pick. Um, I I can't disagree with that whatsoever because I was going to pick them too. Um, innovators, and they just they pushed the crowd to new limits. They're, when their music hit, it was uncanny, and they were even awesome when they split and and they were rivals. It was really cool. But I have to ask you a question, Adam. Can you get the tables? Because I can get the tables. <laughs> because. The 3D, the Dudley Bomb, dominated those TLC matches. So the Dudley Boys are my next pick. Bubba Ray, now Bully Ray, and Devon, the Reverend Dudley, were two of the most dangerous individuals on the planet. Who else is going to suplex Mae Young through a table (laughs) and barely even check on her? Bubba Ray Dudley's going to. Um, These guys are well-established. They... They know exactly how to work over crowds. They pushed young talent. They really helped develop uh, parts of the Attitude Era. Um, They fostered the invasion of ECW. And even when they left and went to TNA, which is now Impact, they had great storylines over there. Aces and Eights was a great storyline. They are a classic duo. Uh, I know Devon, I believe, has fully retired. And Bully Ray only comes back if he's absolutely needed. So... That's my pick. You went Hardy Boys. I went Dudley Boys, both with a Z, baby. That's very true. Can't disagree with that pick. Very strong. Strong, maybe stronger than your number, your round one pick. But uh we'll teach you some. We'll teach you someday how this works. Okay. Yeah, we'll see about that. Cause I hear you be like, oh, so I'm gonna pick like Chris Jericho and Kane, because that was a really cool fucking time. That's gonna be you. I know it. Nah. <laughs> so my third pick now right well batman and robin is that what you're gonna pick now <laughs> so so actually i got reached out to right before we went live this evening um about this list and i said well stay tuned we're gonna tackle tag teams yeah. and somebody talked to me and i don't i don't care i mean i'll name the tag team because i'm not picking them uh somebody said demolition they should have totally been in the top 10 blah blah blah, blah. yeah maybe they should have but you know who did it better than Demolition? And you know who Demolition was a complete WWF copy of? This tag team that was great in every promotion they ever went to, bar none. And I was like, 
so psyched to see them as a kid. You can call them the Road Warriors. You can call them the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal. That is my third round pick, man. Because they, I mean, it didn't matter what territory or what fed they were in. I, if they were on, I was mesmerized. Fantastic, man. I mean, and they had their, that finisher they had, what the, what, what they call the doomsday device. Yeah. Oh, dude, it was simplistic, but it looked so intense. And, uh, it was simplistic for them, but for the guy taking the bump off that of was tough, uh, animal man. shoulders, it was just don't break your neck. Yeah. 10 feet in the air. Hopefully it's you're okay on the way down because that's, <laughs> that's the game changer. Um, unfortunately, man, as they got, they, when they came back to WWE, they got disrespected. Unfortunately, I, I think, I oh, yeah, back in the, like in the 2000, when they came yeah. back as LOD 2000, oh yeah, they got, that it. was tough, man. They were all those like drunk alcoholic lines yeah. and shit, just disrespectful, yeah. man. So they threw, I remember they threw Darren Drozdoff in and I was like, that's kind of bad. And then like later on they threw Heidenreich in and I'm like, oh God, <laughs> he's got a puke. He's got a puke. He's got a puke. But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, I mean, Demolition was good in WWF, but they were a copycat tag team with gimp masks. Yeah. Uh, of of the Legion of Doom, in my opinion. I, I So I got to give the better team. Sorry, whoever reached out to me about uh, Demolition. My buddy Jason reached out to me about it. And uh, sorry, I do agree probably in the top 10, yeah. but not in our top four, which is Mount Rushmore. I could agree with that. I think they were definitely a top 10 team. They had some really cool spots, and they were very uh, – you know, I I liked them, but not. And I believe, and I believe on the WWE list they were number eleven, so they got they were there top top, 10, yeah. top twenty, top fifteen. If you want to really give them more credence, yeah. But I'm pretty um, sure Legion of Doom was like top. They were like five or six, which yeah. is is about right. So I'm gonna throw you a curveball here because. There's a team that doesn't get a lot of credit because it was a flash in the pan, but they were the first undisputed United Tag Team Championship championship team in WWE. They combined the belts, and that was Chris Jericho and the Big Show. So I know you don't like that. Jericho. They won the Unified Tag Team Championships, the first ones to do it. And not only were they the first ones to do that, is also putting Chris Jericho in unprecedented class because he was the first ever undisputed singles champion as well. So I'm actually going to pick Jericho because they set the precedent, man. They dropped those belts in historic fashion fashion only after they won it in historic fashion. You can hate it as much as you want, I'm just not, yeah, and I do. I only do because they were a piece together tag team. Like, yeah. um, my list, I'm staying pretty pure to like. Oh, see, I almost picked the Rock and Sock connection because I fucking love that team so much. I would have shook my head at that one too. But I, I picked. Well, you I still pick, have another pick, so maybe I do. <laughs> I'm not going to pick them. Spoiler alert. <laughs> I would just say the reason why I'm picking them is because tag team wrestling at that point in the Attitude Era was kind of suffering. They were trying to find a way to inject some life into it. And I know they're a piece together team, but when they came together in that specific time timeline and in the, you know, in the writing that was going on, they really reinvigorated uh, tag team wrestling and they were able to come away with some very significant wins. And I do believe that they brought 
more energy and passion because at the time before them, it was the fucking headbangers. The headbangers were the premier team at that time. Do you really want to watch the headbangers every Monday night? Or do you want to watch Jericho and the big show actually carry gold? Well, you know what my fourth choice is already. <laughs> oh, the headbangers. <laughs> so go ahead, man. Let me know. I want to play a little, uh, a little pick a hand with you. Okay. So in one hand, I have a, another classic tag team. Or I could pick a new tag team for my fourth spot. I want you to pick the classic one because I have a new one for me. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. I think I'm going to go with the new one then and see if I can ruin your fourth pick. Cool. Go ahead. Try it out. So my classic tag team, since you said you weren't picking them, was going to be the Brainbusters, Arn and oh. Telly. Oh, that was nice. Fuck that, though. <laughs> I mean, they're great. Yeah. They were great. And they're like what ta- I wish tag team wrestling was today. But I did pick three, well, one Attitude Era and two really classic tag teams. So I will go with a new one. And my pick is the Lucha Brothers. Oh, you didn't, you didn't ruin it for me. But that's okay. such a good pick. That's yes. Such a good pick. Because um, I, I did say I wasn't going to put piece together tag teams together. But they're, they came into AEW as a unit. They did. So, um, and, and as singles competitors, I love them. As a tag team, they're even better. Uh, well... I think that helps Penta out when they're a tag team. Ray Phoenix is just phenomenal. Oh, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care what he's in. He's amazing. Um, so just because Ray Phoenix is a part of that team and Penta looks so fucking badass, uh, I'm going with the Lucha Brothers in my fourth spot as a new tag team. Uh, yeah. And my favorite, my favorite one going today. I, I got, I, dude. I think that Ray Phoenix is hands down the best luchador out there right now. The man is high-flying, like serious attitude. He's a title contender when he's a singles competitor, and then he raises that tag team up to new heights when he's teaming with Penta. Penta brings a whole different kind of like grindy attitude. Everything's very violent, and, and his drip is uncanny. That that shit he's wearing now looking like the Joker. That, I he love Joker. It. Oh, it's yeah. so good, man. Um. I'm glad you didn't pick because pick my new age team because I did kind of stick around the attitude era because that's when I really fell in love with wrestling was the attitude era. But my re my reintroduced reintroduction reintroduction. We only talked to you guys about the two beers that we're drinking. I've had (laughs) others in between. So the reintroduction of me back into wrestling, because I kind of fell out of love with it. Uh, after the attitude era ended ruthless aggression was dog shit um i fell back in love with it after watching a tag team in new japan uh that was just like it blew my mind and they were just they were high flying when they needed to be they were grindy when they needed to be they were heels they were baby faces they were uh everything they needed to be for that promotion they went to ring of honor and do what they needed to do over there won the titles there and they came to AEW, and now they are one of the best heel tag teams on the planet Earth, and that is the Young Bucks. Okay. The, the Young... I, th- I thought that's who you were going with. I yeah. just disagree with your description of them being grindy. Oh, you, d- <laughs> dude. Ring of Honor, they had some brutal fucking matches. They did. I yes. do remember seeing a match with them and the um, Briscoe brothers. That was... Yes. Was that I would call that one grindy. Yes. So I I felt like they could always match the style of the people that they were going against. 
whether they were holding titles, competing for titles, or just fighting to get into a spot for a title, they delivered. They could have fought two back alley bums, and it could have been a main event spot. Um, I know right now their gimmick is getting a little stale in AEW, but I love it, man. I, I think that they brought me back in. They're the reason why I watch New Japan, why I love the Bullet Club, why I even like Kenny Omega, why I even know John Moxley's alter ego. They're the reason why I figured all this back out, and I owe them a lot. Now, I usually I was going to pick them first, but then I kind of felt like going from Young Bucks to New Age Outlaws was kind of a step downward. <laughs> no, I I agree that Young Bucks would have been a better number one than New Age Outlaws. They would have been. But, but if you were Young Bucks, Dudley Boys, my head might have exploded. <laughs> I know, I know. So that's why I wanted to round it out with the Young Bucks. Um, of course, you know, at the end of this, we have eight, uh, well, seven really strong contenders for the Mount Rushmore. Um, so... Exactly. <laughs> so, Adam, if you could pick one person, one squad off of this for the Rushmore, who's it going to be? I, I do want to say really quickly, yes. out of all the Mount Rushmores we did, especially wrestling related, this is the longest list I've had. I have a whole page. Yes. Deck, and I split them between classic and new um, just so I wouldn't forget anybody. Um, I do just want to honorable mention my other, my backup one for a new school tag team. Okay. was probably powerful. Yes. I, yes. I freaking love them. And I do like FTR too. And I'm not taking anything away from the new day, but I don't think they deserve yeah. to be number one quite yet. We'll see how they go down in history. They're definitely the best of this modern era. Yes. For WWE by far. And I would say my honorable mention as well, if I could throw one out there, it would be the rockers. I do love Shawn Michaels and I love Marty Jannetty. Yes. Those were guys. Um, I fell in love with wrestling in the early nineties first, and they were, they were the first ones I can remember really coming out there and selling tag team wrestling. I love tag team wrestling. I know other promotions kind of lose track of them, but you couldn't help but love what the rockers did. I just, I just didn't pick them because their time on TV for for my childhood was so short. It was like very by the short. The time I was getting into it, they were like a year away from breaking up. Yeah, that breakup was sick, though, man. Yeah. That was a great breakup. Yeah, and one more from WWE that was the one left out of our TLC triple threat was Edge and Christian. Yeah, and I just didn't. There, they were high on my list, but I just didn't pick them because as good as they were as a tag team, they're so much better apart. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's why I didn't pick the outsiders. Same yeah. reason. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Same, okay. same thing. Yeah. All right. So we'll get back on track. I just did. I just want to give respect. Had to. to had to. Yeah, to to some other teams. Um, but yeah, my num. I mean, my first pick to go to Mount Rushmore is my number one pick for the night, and that's the Heart Foundation. It's a strong pick, and if anyone argues with that, they have not watched the Heart Foundation. Uh, you got to go back and watch some of their first matches. Just a great mixture of chemistry and artistry and skills. Um, and this, might be, this might be sacrilege, but I liked Bret Hart better as a tag wrestler than I ever liked him as a singles wrestler. I thought he was, as a kid, I thought he was boring as a singles wrestler. If I go back and watch his stuff now, I think it's great. Yeah, you're but right. He was, just, he was just so solid and so technical. I didn't get it as a kid. You mean as a kid, you didn't like someone saying the excellence of execution and rubbing it in your face every time he came up for a singles match? What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> so 
I am going to uh, come out here and say that I'm going to put the Dudley boys on there because I believe in the Attitude Era, they were the best tag team in the Attitude Era, um, only because they ran multiple storylines, whether it be violent or comedic or invasion or whatever it might have been. I'm picking the Dudley boys. Um, I really like them. I always like their work. And, I, you know, I wish they could still do it, but they're both really old, so they're not going to. But I picked the Dudley boys. I agree with everything you said there, except that they were the greatest team they had to do. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I think that goes with the Hardy boys. I think I think that if – I think it could be an argument. I think it could be an argument. I think they both had very illustrious careers in the Attitude Era. And I think that you don't have the, well, the I mean, they drive yeah. each other. They drove each other for sure, yeah. man. Because like the Hardy Boys were more of the high flyers, while the Dudley Boys are more of like the New Jersey back back alley brawlers. So I don't know. I, I think it's up for interpretation. I at the time I didn't like a lot of high flying stuff when I was watching Attitude Era. I wanted to watch people just get like punched in the face. That's fine because my yeah. third pick is going to be the. Legion and Doom. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Hardy Boys. Um, yeah, the Road Warriors, the Legion of Doom. That's who I am putting up for the third spot. Yes. Uh, fantastic choice. Legion of Doom, they they're just nostalgic. They are they they killed, man. And they and you're right, every single promotion they wrestled for, they showed out, and that was fantastic. I am actually for my last one here, I'm stealing one of yours. And I am going to put the Lucha Brothers in at the very tail end of this because I think that they are the new wave of what's going to happen in AEW. And I feel that they have cross-promotional talent. I know that there are other teams on here, like the Hardy Boys, like the Young Bucks. I, I, just... would, like to, I would like to actually veto your choice. Okay. Brothers. I think they're too new to be on a Mount Rushmore, even though I put them as my fourth. I think the Hardy Boys deserve that spot. The only reason why I don't want to put the Hardy Boys there is because I already fucked them up with the Dudley Boys. <laughs> but well, you can put them both on. Well, let's 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 do this. You gotta look at it as who has more championships. And that's the Hardy Boys. Who has right. more years in? It's the Hardy Boys. Who has more of a legacy? It's the Hardy Boys. So I can't I can't deny that the Hardy Boys definitely trump. The Lucha Brothers, but if you look towards the future, the Lucha Brothers are the future. Um, but then you could also argue the Young Bucks are currently better than the Lucha Brothers, and they are considered the future. So, yeah, I but can, Mount Rushmore doesn't have the Rock on it just because he's the future of the presidents. I, I understand. <laughs> You're right. You're right. You know what? I concede to your veto. Would you um, like? Would you like to have the Hardy Boys on here? I would like to have one. I would also like to throw it on Twitter as a poll on what people think. Who should be the fourth spot? Okay. But I think for us, I, I think it should be the Hardy Boys. But if you disagree with me, email us, complain, or we'll throw up a Twitter poll. And Because uh, Matt knows how to do that. I don't. But he'll tell me <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to put it up there. It's I'm writing a reminder for myself. And it's going to be uh, the Hardy Boys versus the Lucha Bros. Who are you taking? So Twitter, or look can out. You do a, can you do a write-in option? Yes. Yes. Okay, so I would give those two his choices and then give everybody a write-in option. We'll see just who who takes that fourth spot. And I swear to God, if you guys put in Rock and Sock Connection, I'm going to stop putting out Twitter polls. (laughs) 
or what was that terrible tag team that Santino Morella was in? He was in something with somebody, <laughs> the Blue Meanie or oh, something was, like no, that. No, it was him and um, oh, the scary Russian dude. The one oh. before, recently, yeah, yeah, Vladimir Kozlov. Yeah, he always wore the red yeah. gi and everything. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. What a weird tag team that was. It was terrible. I mean, comedically, it was great. Yeah, it was like, fantastic. Oh. Do you? The only time that Santino's uh, Viper ever worked was against the guy from Crime Time when he hit him in the neck with it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, much like the Twitterverse, we always put it out to you guys to send in your listener emails, questions, and whatevs. And since this, this episode ran kind of long with some of us going back and forth, we just put up three questions, and they're all pretty uh, pretty fun. So uh, if you guys didn't see today, I put it up today. It's July 1st. Uh, a fan of the show got me this cool little miniature steel chair, and they and they took one of our stickers and put it on there. So it looks like I have a, a custom steel chair. So uh, there was actually a question before because they asked it before they hooked, hooked me up with it. If we wanted to send stuff to the show, how do we do that? Um, I'll say the person who gave me that chair works with me at my nine to five. So she was able to find me there. Um, but I think if you want to like, if, if you think we deserve what you have and you want to like show appreciation, to us, which I, it's awesome. I always love everything people do for us. Um, just DM us and we'll figure yeah. it out. I don't think at this point that we're going to, we're not big enough to have a PO box and we're also not dumb enough to give you our addresses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll get some flaming dog poop for my uh, vetoing of the Lucha. Oh yeah. <laughs> How dare you motherfucker. You vetoed your own choice. Dumb, dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so the next question here, it's one is uh, for, for the bash brew team. What is the lineup for the beers at Bruise and bruises? Well, we we have discussed it at length. We are bringing um, three beers to Bruise and Bruises. The and I'll I'll leave the main event for last. But uh, we will be bringing. Oh my goodness, what do we call it? Thick Flare. Yes. Which is our strawberry milkshake IPA. Um, that'll be the first one featured. It's it's between six and seven percent. I'm not sure how strong I want to make it for this festival. Um, but we get the strawberry in it with a certain soft, chewy uh, strawberry candy that rhymes with Gardurst. Uh, <laughs> candy milkshake, uh, strawberry milkshake. Yay. So it comes out as pink as Ric Flair's classic robes. It's beautiful. Then in the uh, second spot, we will have a beer we make called a little bit of the bubbly, which is a dry champagne like blonde ale. Uh, it's actually a brute ale because it's super it's dried all the way out um and then we're going to add back a little bit of peach puree on that to just give you kind of a mimosa feel but not uh not we don't want to want to juice we're going to switch it up a little bit it's going to be more like a bellini so uh we'll add some peach puree to that so you'll have a little bit of rick flair you'll have a little bit of chris jericho and actually something maybe our listeners and our twitter verse could help us with our main event is a 15.2 percent barley wine that was brewed with orange blossom honey and, and was hopped quite strong uh, right when COVID started. I think I made it uh, the second week, the second weekend I was home having nothing to do. Yeah, man. I made this brutal beer and it's been mellowing in a keg ever since I tried it about two weeks ago. It was phenomenal, Um, but we don't have a name for it. And of course we would like it to be wrestling themed. It doesn't have to be after a specific wrestler could be after something in the industry could be uh, after a move a finishing move something but something brutal something like that's like a knockout 
because it again it is 15.2 percent uh by far the highest abv we've ever made yeah but those those three beers will be uh coming to brews and bruises and i i can safely say for the year 2021 that's the only place you'll find that barley wine this year yes is at that I can tell you guys right now, it's a recipe that starts off as one of the flagship beers of Bash Brew, and it is turned into something formidable. It is, like Adam said, it is the strongest beer we've ever made, and it's also one of the smoothest, strong beers I've ever tried. This thing is going to be an experience, and I couldn't be any prouder of how it's come out. And I can't wait for people to try this, man. Um, I hope that people come back and we kick that thing because <laughs> it's it's a monster. And you're right. And I'm going to put it out to the Twitterverse. We need a name for that bad boy. And I'm going to get us one because our Twitter our Twitter followers are very unique, Adam. I should tell you. Um, they really like what we do. And they are hilarious so there should be some pretty cool stuff coming through here maybe next show we can come up with uh we can debate over what name we want to use maybe we can find out oh yeah that would be that'd be real cool actually yeah so the last question we have here and adam this is where your expertise definitely comes in handy um can you tell a newbie in the craft beer scene the difference between a west coast and a new england ipa yeah so uh West Coast are more of a traditional style. Before I get into the real specifics, West Coast were kind of like what hit America first. Um, and the New Englands are a little bit newer to the scene. Uh, so West Coast IPA, it's traditionally really bold on the hops, uh, both in aroma and bitterness. Um, very uh, citrusy, piney, usually. Uh, clear. It's like a clear golden to... Uh, light brown in color. It's kind of caramely sometimes. Sometimes it's a little bit drier, but um, clear is the is the really big distinction that you would first see. Um, then a New England has more of a mild hop bitterness to maybe no hop bitterness. Usually tends to go more uh, fruity or juicy. It's very hazy. Sometimes they add lactose into it, so it sometimes has a sweet upfront flavor. If there's any sweetness to it, it's either a, a poorly made West Coast or it's <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, those are the the big differences you'd see. I don't know specifically uh what makes what's the key characteristics of each style, like per ju- professional judging or anything. But yeah, uh, New Englands are always hazy that's why they're called hazy ipas and that traditionally comes from either oats or wheat being used in the in the malt profile um to give it quite a quite a heck load of haze it just stays in suspension better where west coast don't do that so it can clear out yeah and i can say too uh just as a guy who adam has the experience he has the wherewithal the know-how to really differentiate between the two i can just tell you as a guy who likes to drink them i love west coast ipas um i like how clean they are but i love they're very they're you know as a lay person to it they're bitey i like the bitterness i like the pininess that's that's my go-to um if i need something a little more mellow and there's a higher calorie count too i think to the new england's yes um yeah quite a bit quite a bit 
Um, but a New England IPA is pretty refreshing, especially because they could be adjunct a little more than the West Coast can. So if you want to see something Correct. a little more experimental, the New England IPAs are going to be where you're going to see, you know, different things being used. So I would say like, I think a West Coast is a little more traditional and the New England's a little more experimental. Yeah, I mean, I would say like that's like the new school, you know, kind of beer. And I, I agree with you. I do prefer a West Coast over New England, but I will always try a good New England. And if it's a lighter ABV and like a little drier, not too adjuncty, I might have a second one. But if there's a good West Coast on tap somewhere, oh yeah, I'm drinking it all night long. And, it's over, and I'm gonna hurt it the next morning. Yeah, that's the one thing about the West Coast too for me is it dries me all the way out, and I definitely have a headache the next day. <laughs> and uh, just a little known fact for me is West Coast IPA is the style that got me into craft beer. I was yep. a, I was a big uh, I think Yingling was the craftiest thing I drank before I discovered West Coast IPAs. And you brought me right on, man. You shoved a West Coast right in my face and said, try this, and I never turned back. You bastard. I'm hooked now. How dare you? So, Adam, speaking of beer, and we're actually moving into finally competition season. Can you tell the people what's on tap or where they can find us? Yeah, it's going to be tough to say what's on tap here. It's really going to be what's left over after these festivals, which I would still appreciate people coming over and trying if you can't make it to the festivals. Um, right now, the only thing I can say we might have on tap, uh, we we will have on tap after this weekend, is the retired triple agent. We still have quite a bit of that jalapeno pineapple triple IPA left. We are taking, as you're listening to this, we already had our event. Uh, and we're taking dad shoes and our tropical Hefeweizen uh, to that event. We might have some of those left. So reach out if you want to try them uh, when you hear this. So we might have some of that left. But in bigger news and what's coming up and what we'll be brewing for, uh, we have three different festivals I can announce at this time. The first one is the North Hills Brew Fest. It's uh, thrown by the Shriners, actually. Uh, and it's a benefit. It's a charity event. Uh, we will be doing that on August 29th. That's a Sunday. Uh, I know they have VIP hours. They have general admission tickets. Uh, I think it goes. I think if you get the VIP ticket, it goes from noon to five, I believe. But uh, if you search them out on, uh, I think they will have a Facebook event up soon, and they have a website up already, uh, so you can check that out. Uh, the, the, our second one is the one we mentioned at the top of the show today: Bruises and Bruises on September 18th at the Green Tree Sportsplex. And now you know what beers were taken there. So Hell come yeah. get them. And as a newly added third event, if you can't make it to Green Tree and you live closer to Greensburg, PA, we will be out there for the Greensburg Brewfest. Uh, and we will be bringing the thick flare and the little bit of the bubbly. We'll make it there. The barley wine is going to be exclusive to the brews and bruises, though. So if you miss out, Sorry, I'm, I I might sneak a ball. It's definitely not going to be there for everybody. If Greensburg has a VIP hour and I have some left, I might bring some bottles. I'll try my best. But uh, that keg, until it kicks, is going to be at Bruise and Bruises um, until, the, or until the event ends. So if it doesn't kick, I might be able to sneak some little pours out just for people to sample. Won't be up for voting or anything. Um, but, yeah, Greensburg on September 19th. So we have a very, very busy weekend. There in the middle of September. Uh, I did get uh, notified this week that we will be doing one in November 
that will benefit uh, veterans. Nice. We just don't have a date for that yet, but we will definitely be doing it. It's a friend of the show first at Brewbox is putting that on. Uh, and I promise them, yeah, no matter what, we'll be there. And we'll probably be taking the pumpkin roll stout there, which is one of our yes, one of our heavy hitters, the shat faced pumpkin roll stout. The award winning, yeah, people's favorite shat faced pumpkin roll. And oh. yeah, and we'll, we'll give you a date on that as it comes closer. I, I'm assuming it uh, it could be on Veterans Day because Veterans Day this year is a Saturday, um, or it could just be around Veterans Day. Either way, it's going to support the uh, veterans and date and location will be soon to follow i'm sure in the next couple weeks and i can only tell you guys if you're wondering uh if the the people at first at brew box are responsible for that event it's gonna be killer they know how to throw a party and they know what the craft beer industry needs uh if i ever need advice i turn to them and they always steer me in the right direction so thank you first at brew box can't wait to be at your event and also too that barley wine I don't think it's making its way out of Brews and Bruises. I think once the first person gets a sip of it, they're going to bring enough people over and we're going to kick that keg. So you have to get your tickets to Brews and Bruises Festival. So follow it on Facebook. Get your tickets. They're not that expensive. It's going to sell out. We want to see you there. We want to give you all of our stuff. We want you to try it. We want you to tell, tell us how much you like it. We just want you there. So I will say one more thing about that event too, as far as proud people from pittsburgh i think this is the first craft beer pro wrestling event in the country maybe in the maybe in the world maybe in the world so if this i mean this is going to be a success you want to be part of the first one absolutely this might be the next brew fest that pittsburgh's known for much like fresh fest that's now barrel and flow was super groundbreaking for african-american-owned breweries and african-american artists this pro wrestling beer thing, a little less serious on the topic and everything, but another groundbreaking thing, maybe Pittsburgh's going to start. Um, and it's, it's being run by good friends of ours. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for it. I really can't wait for this fall. We have such great shit lined up. It's good shit. If you want to find about that good shit coming from the Joe Jatorium and from the brew lab, just follow at bash underscore brew on all social media. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to follow Adam and all of his hijinks down here in the brew lab on untapped. And as always, if you want to know what's going on with the boys, all you got to do is follow us on social media at the WTV on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to send in all your listener emails to KNWTV at gmail.com. You can do anything you want in those emails. There are no limits. And make sure you get tickets to Brews and Bruises Festival. We want to see you there. We want to let you guys know how much we love you. So please come over and see us. And we want to get you drunk. So until next time, from the Jojatorium, the good shit, Adam and Matt, the game with the boys, cheers. Cheers. Hardy boys rock. <laughs>